What's up, streamers? Welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. I'm really excited to announce to you today that our ebook is ready for pre order. It is finally here. It has been the longest road ever, but it's almost done. I've been talking about this in the stream for about six months now. So to finally be here is really exciting. The full book is going to launch on March 19th, which is my birthday. But if you want to order it before then, you'll get 25% off. So you just go to gum.co slash dream stream. And this uh, link will actually let you check out all the chapters and, and see what's inside. It's also going to come with two additional products that I haven't told anyone what they are yet, but you will, will figure that out on March 19th, whenever it releases. Okay. So that's done. I'm just really excited. I wanted to let you know about that. It's been a lot of work. I'll definitely be filming a YouTube video or two about writing an ebook and that entire process. So keep an eye out for those. Now, let's talk about our podcast episode today. If you've ever been in the stream before or actually watched any of my content before, you'll probably know that I recommend Primal Branding to everyone. It's an absolutely amazing book. If you've ever asked yourself, like, why is this streamer growing so much faster than me? And I'm just not growing. Like, I'm plateaued. Why did this person absolutely blow up? and their stream has absolutely taken off, but I just haven't. If you've ever asked yourself those questions, this is a book that you need to read. It is so good. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to the author of Primal Branding, Patrick Hanlon. He's worked with companies like the United Nations, the Gates Foundation. He's worked with Halo, which you'll hear a little bit about during the interview. He's worked with Levi's and he's helped all of these companies develop their brand strategies and develop communities around them. So this is going to be very insightful. Patrick kind of tells you what all of these components are of building a really strong brand. And then I'm there to kind of translate them into the streaming community and let you all know what these specific things look like for us, right? Because every industry is so different. Anyways, I'm blabbing a lot because I'm so excited. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Patrick Hanlon. I'll see you after the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because today we're going to be talking to the person who is able to help us grow so quickly. This is this concept that we're going to talk about today is why we were able to get partnered in two months. We were able to get 100 subs in four days. We were able to get 1,000 subs in the first four months. It was absolutely amazing. So today we're going to be talking to the author of Primal Branding and The Social Code. He's the CEO of Thinktopia. He's written for Forbes. Uh, Primal Branding, if you didn't know, his book is actually required reading for YouTube certification. He's also worked with some billion-dollar brands like Levi's, Experian, UN, <laughs> the United Nations, the Gates Foundation, uh, and a few others as well. He's absolutely fantastic. This is Patrick Hanlon. How's it going, Patrick? Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me. I should probably start out by... Uh... I always do. Uh, when I'm speaking, I give it a little apology. So I apologize if I offend anyone. I apologize in advance if anyone is offended by anything I say. Uh, I have a tendency to drop the F-bomb and 
and other things and offend in many other ways. I also have <laughs> six daughters. So the, um, I, um, I, I know far too much more than any male should know. And so as I'm, become very i say things that are probably incorrect strangers <laughs> it's <laughs> but okay. are my daily life but so there you go we've had we've had some some f-bombs on the show before for sure so it it's totally fine but today we're going to be talking about branding specifically which is what you've written your books over you have this massive philosophy like your philosophy and and reading your books and everything that you've taught me just from afar has caused this like massive change in my life the light bulb really turned on and i was like holy crap i can't believe that i didn't understand all of this before and now i get it and it's absolutely fantastic and i'm so glad that i get it because i i'm able to teach it out and help other people so i get asked this first question a lot and i know that branding is such a huge concept for a lot of people it's really difficult to understand especially for the streaming community, which a lot of us are younger and we don't really get what branding is. So let's start at the very beginning. What is branding? Yeah, sure. The, um, well, there, if you ask a hundred people what a brand is, you'll get a hundred different answers, right? And uh, some people say that it's about what people say about you when you leave the room, uh, which is really about your reputation. Uh, other people think it's this sort of mystical feeling or emotions that you get, um, which is sort of like butter waving around butterflies and unicorns, um, which some of you have as emojis, so you may be okay with that. But I think that the thing is, is that we look at brands as beliefs. The thing is, is that you can't do anything with those. How are you going to influence or how do you really affect what people say about you when you leave the room? How do you really affect uh, building emotion uh, in your community and attracting others. Uh, so that was sort of the thing. And the real truth is that uh, from the time that we're born, we're told that we're a boy or a girl. We're told um, who we are, basically. Um, here's where we live. Here's uh, what to believe in. Um, here's what you're good at, not good at. Your sister, daughter, son, uncle maybe um and so forth and so as you go through life you build these stories around yourself and in truth we build those same can build those same stories around products or services we can build them around communities civic communities cities countries uh we can build them around concepts like bitcoin gravity romantic love etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, somewhere along the line, you may want to, uh, well, let me say that somewhere along the line, those that story might unravel or blow up completely. And so then you have to create a new story, which is a very painful thing and or can be a very painful thing. The whether you are a person, individual or you're a, a country. Hang on a second. Sorry. You're I have fine. To log out. So the um, so what we do then is uh, we how do you build that story? So we look at brands as belief system once belief systems. Once you create a belief system, you attract others who share your beliefs, and that builds community. And that community can be 
we've broken it down into people, places, and things. So people, whether you're a personality like yourself, Ashney, or James Corden, or Lady Gaga, or Donald Trump, or the Pope. And then uh, people, places, places would be cities, places would be countries, and so forth. Um, or just the reason why people prefer to live in Brooklyn versus uh, Silver Lake or um, uh, San Francisco or Kansas City. Uh, and then things basically becomes products and services, although they can also, things can also be concepts. And so we break it down into um, that way, into seven things. Um, there's a creation story. How did we get started? Uh, there's a Apple started in a garage. Um, Ford started because Henry Ford wanted to build cars that were sold to other that could be uh, sold. Sold, excuse me, uh, build cars for ordinary people. Um, and after we know where you're from, we want to know where you're, what you're all about. That's the creed. Whether it's think different or just do it, or e pluribus unum, semper fi, etc. Uh, once we know where you're from and what you're about, uh, we have to be able to identify you. And so that historically historically has been by a, with a flag or uh, most of the time we think of like icons like the Nike swoosh or the Apple logo or um, the Michelin man or uh, Ronald McDonald, the, um, or the McDonald, uh, excuse me, the Starbucks uh, mermaid. And so once we know where you're from and what you're about and we're able to identify you, and by the way, um, that identification can also be done through not just through sight, which would be the, the flags and the logos and so forth, but through sound, smell, taste, touch, all, engage all the senses. And we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, and then there, once we know where you're from, we can identify you and we know what you're all about. We have to know how we use you. How do we bring you into our lives? And so that's all about ritual and how we use you um, is really incredibly important. And Starbucks, for example, changed the way that we have coffee in the morning. People used to have coffee at home. Then they started going to a place uh, like a Starbucks or a place like Starbucks. Um, other rituals, the uh, these handheld digital devices that we all have, uh, have changed hundreds of rituals. Uh, this uh, thing we're doing right now is a ritual, and there are th certain things and certain that we do to set it up. There are certain expectations we have when we watch, and there's uh, entries, entry points, exit points, etc. We know when the ritual begins. We know what to do during it. We know um, how to end it, and so forth. And then there's um, what we call a lexicon, which um, all communities have a group of words that are known by people inside the community, and it's a way for us to talk inside the community. Uh, so whether you're a doctor, lawyer, actor, uh, director. Um, you do code, um, you train dogs, you train horses, whatever it is, you play chess, uh, you play uh, Fortnite. Um, we all have, a, there's a, certain words that we use. And um, taking those words, uh, certain words we use during, while we're doing, while we're engaged in that experience. And if we took those words, they're very specialized. And 
for example, if we took uh, words from a poker game, go, <laughs> poker game uh, over to uh, on a playing Halo or something like that, it probably wouldn't work. And so um, that special lexicon. And then uh, all communities ha also have uh, a group of people who don't want to believe. And in professional marketing, this is a huge um, revelation, I guess, because in marketing, uh, traditional marketing, we feel that people feel that our product is, of course, so incredible that the only thing that stands in our way of continued more additional or continued success is awareness. People just don't know of us yet. And so they spend more and more and more money or try to spend more and more money um, traditionally against uh, television or direct marketing or whatever other uh, methods they, they, they want to select. And so it's just a larger uh, dollar spent in advertising, basically, and marketing communications. And so, but... The reality is, is that there are always going to be people who want to, don't want to drink Starbucks. They want to drink uh, Dunkin' Donuts or Blue Bottle or Intelligentsia or some other kind of coffee. Um, there are uh, people who don't want to drive Priuses. They want to drive BMWs or GMC trucks, et cetera, et cetera. They don't want to drink Coke. They want to drink Pepsi. They don't want to be on Twitch. They want to be on YouTube. Et cetera, et cetera. And so once we understand that, then we can kind of focus in on who we are and what we really want to become. Um, that's We call that non-believers. We used to call it pagans, but that was politically incorrect or became politically incorrect. And then finally, there's the leader. And that's the person who set out against all odds in order to recreate the world according to their own point of view. They had a better idea. They figured out a way to do something better, faster, cheaper, stronger, whatever. And so more entertaining. Um, and so that's the leader and that's you basically. And so, or can be you. And uh, so once you have all these things lined up uh, and you're able to tell someone, here's how this thing started. Here's what it's all about. Here's how you can identify it. Here's the way that it's used. And it's different than the way we use way we use something else um here are the words that we're using to describe it here's what it's not never wants to become and here the, here's the team that's the person that's leading it uh you've just developed what we call a strategic brand narrative it's strategic because each one of these points is a point of differentiation no one's going to have your same creation story it may be similar but it's not the same thing not the same one no one else is going to have your creed hopefully no one else will have your icons or your rituals others may be similar but it's not going to be the same and you're going to make sure that it's not the same. And so once we pull those things together, uh, we've, we've developed that narrative And as long as we, so this narrative pings both, and this is the important detail is that the, these pieces of primal code, what we call primal code, ping both uh, the rational and the emotional parts of our brain as human beings that helps things to make sense. And if you make more sense than the thing sitting next to you, that's called preference. And when people prefer you over something else, you win. And that's it, pretty pretty simply. But not, not very simple, it's a little <laughs> bit complicated, actually. And people say, uh, you know, okay, that's, that's great, nice, I get it about the seven things, but 
Pat, it's just me and you standing here. Uh, what's the one thing that, that's more important than anything else? And that's the point, is that there is no one thing. People are complicated. For pe- someone to like something or to be uh, feel safe about something is, um, is a complicated process. Our brains have made it complicated to keep us safe. Our brains keep us safe. And we've all had the gut instinct that, hey, we should be doing something else, but we don't do it because our brain wants to keep us safe. You think that you're safer doing, or your brain thinks, you're safer doing this other thing than, and of course, you don't want to step off the curb in front of a semi, but the um, but there are other decisions that we make that are um, potentially could become more valuable to us. Yeah. Um, we stay where we are. So these... These seven things, like you. Sorry for the long monologue. Oh no, no, no! I lo- I love it because you just touched on basically everything that we're going to talk about. We're going to go into all seven of these things and explain them a little bit deeper and put them in the context of streaming. But these seven things that that you're talking about, you call them the primal code. And this is really like why some brands blow up, why some organizations get more attention, even though like somebody else's organization might be better or somebody else's product might be better. Specific products blow up because they're they're more aligned with these seven pieces of code. And this also serves a question that a lot of people have as streamers, which is why did this person start after me? And they blew up so much faster. And I've been here for so long sitting waiting to grow my community, waiting to see success, and it's just not happening for me. And I think the fascinating thing about this and about all of your research is that Primal Branding really came out before YouTube was a huge thing, before Twitch was a huge thing. It's back whenever, like like you said, all marketers were focusing on how do we get more sales? How do we get more people to to care? How do we get just more exposure as opposed to focusing on community, which is exactly what you were advocating for in the book? So why is it that community is so much more powerful than than just exposure when it comes to building a brand? Uh, well, your community, um, the mistake that people make is they think that because they... Um, yeah, and we work a lot with um, billion-dollar companies, first of all, Fortune 100 companies, but also with um, startups, people who want to become billion-dollar companies. And the thing is, is that the key learning to that is that it's not how good your product or service, how good, well you've engineered it to make it better. It's the quality of – so it's – it is the quality of the product. You have to make a good product, first of all, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the um, it's really the quality of the community that surrounds you and surrounds that product or service uh, and their advocacy, the, their level of advocacy that really triggers um, your success. And so the... Um, there's a great book called The Hitmakers, first of all, that I would advise everyone to read. And the point that they make in there is valid, and that is it's your proximity to heat, basically. And uh, what that means is they give an example of here was an artist who was being supported by Kanye West. And and they go into a little bit about that. And here was another artist, uh, artist A and artist B. Artist A was supported by Kanye West. Artist B was supported by, uh, oh, name someone else, that, not quite as popular. Um, 
maybe someone who wasn't Justin Timberlake <laughs> in that band. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, the one, the person who was supported by Kanye West, I think was Justin Bieber. Okay. And the other person I forget because he wasn't Justin Bieber, Bieber, Bieber. And so the, so it's that proximity to heat and who you're networked with, i.e. The, the quality of the community that surrounds you that really makes the difference. And so in marketing, people like to get picked up by uh, Target or they like to get picked up by um, Amazon, um, which means you're close to the heat. Those things are hotter. Right. And I Typically. think... Depends I, what your product is, right? But the, yeah. But you want to be um, there instead of at the local, you know, coffee shop selling, you know, trying to sell granola bars. Right. This kind of makes me think of like collaboration with content creators, because a huge thing for all creators, whether that's like Twitch or YouTube, is collaboration. That's a great way to get yourself in front of more people and get other communities to like intermix with your own, especially if their communities that are similar in specific ways, it can be a great way to to grow. And the people that you're associated with, um, Ninja, somebody who's, I don't know if you like know Ninja, you might have had some, some exposure to him, but he says, um, he said a couple of times that who you play with whenever you're streaming is who you're associated with. So it becomes so much more than just like, oh, I'm just, I'm playing video games with my friends. But you have to think of like how the people that you are publicly aligned with and how the people who other people see you spending your time with reflect on you as a, as a person, as a creator, as your own brand, it's really, really important that you surround yourself with people that are going to, going to lift you up and, and are creators that you would aspire to be or creators that you, in, that inspire you to work harder. That's well, so that's important. The great hack, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Collaborations and partnerships are the great hack. Um, one thing, I don't know who's read my book, but if you have read my book, you know that you too is in it. So a friend of mine, um, was able to um, introduce me to some people and eventually I got to uh, U2 and um, so everyone spoke with Bono uh, wanted to speak with him Bono 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 the um, and and I thought well I'm never going to get to him and so I didn't want to be you know stand in line right but the no one talks to the man at business manager and I was doing a business book so it was perfectly appropriate to t- speak with the business manager who I got right too, <laughs> you know, so a week later I was talking to him and he gave me the whole background between you uh, 2 and Apple and all that kind of stuff. But my real point is that um, once I got you 2 in the book and I had a whole bunch of other people in the book already, I had the Steve Els, who was the founder of Chipotle and, you know, a bunch of other people that would have been, would have made a perfectly fine book. But once I, um, uh, got you too, and they're really up the ante. And the real point I'm trying to make, though, is that the it, nobody doesn't want to be in a book, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're Oprah or Steve Jobs or um, someone else who, um, Elon Musk, maybe, uh, who gets hit on all the time, right? Or Obama. And um, but once I got the, so they say, who else is in the book? Well, once you can add it, you too, and 
Chipotle was was brand new then, so no one knew who Steve Ells was, and uh, pretty much they didn't know who Chipotle was either. But the um, uh, once you start naming off all the different people, then they go, oh yeah, I want to be in that party, right? And so that's the same way that they started TEDx. Ted, excuse me, that's the way they started TED years ago. Ted's also in the book. Uh, but the um, what I found out was that the founder, uh, he just w- imagined what would be my favorite dinner party. Well, I'd have Steve Jobs there, I'd have Steven Spielberg there, and you know, someone else, Paul McCartney or something, of the Beatles. And, and so he imagined that, and it, eventually he was able to pull that together, and that became Ted. And suddenly you start, start inviting other people to the party and the party got bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Until it became TEDx and now anyone, anyone can uh, pretty much join that party. But initially, so you, the point there, initially it was just, uh, really was around a dinner table, at a dining room table. And the, so you have to figure out who do you want at that table and how can I get there? Oh, That's so fascinating. I love that. So we're going to break down all these seven pieces of code and try to see if we can figure out like why these things work and good representations of them specifically on Twitch. Um, Let's start with the very first one, which is story. So out of all of the brands that you've worked with in your experience, what are like the elements that you feel makes a really good story for a brand? Well, that's seven pieces of code, mm-hmm. uh, which you can also find. I mean, you can uh, go through the creation story, create icons, rituals, uh, lexicon, non-believers, and leader, and go through Game of Thrones. It has every piece. You can go through Huckleberry Finn, every piece. Uh, pick your other, <laughs> whatever other uh, popular show you have. Or uh, Lady Gaga, you know, um, or Kid Group. And they all have all the seven pieces of code. So there isn't really a favorite one. But the, um, there are some great creation stories out there. Um, one of the most unknown ones probably is about Ford and how Henry Ford, in the beginning I mentioned earlier that he wanted to uh, build cars for ordinary people. We, he had a, a car company. He was working for GE. He was working for Thomas Edison because he wanted to um, – create a gas engine. And there were three kinds of engines at that time. Um, this might be boring, so stop me at any point. But <laughs> there were three kinds of engines at the time. There was steam, you know, which they used to power locomotives. There was, there was, there were electrical motors at the time, um, but they were hampered by batteries. Uh, Henry Ford and uh, Thomas Edison tried to build an electric car a hundred hundred and some years ago, but the the size of the batteries prevented it. Um, and then there were gas-powered engines, and which a lot of cars were being made uh, with. There were also steam-powered cars at the time, by the way. This is the 1890s there, or thereabouts. And um, so he wanted to do a gas engine. He knew that he needed a spark to create a gas engine. He knew that electricity could create a spark, but electricity at that time, I don't know, I'm not even sure. It's unclear if the light bulb was invented yet. It might have been. And, uh, but he knew that electricity could start a spark. Well, who knows about electricity? Well, Henry Ford had just opened up a plant in, uh, in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And so Henry Ford was right over there in, I think, Dearborn. And so he went to jo- uh, he took a job as an engineer at the GE plant. Well, it was, yeah, General Electric plant, Edison's plant. At the Edison plant, I think it was called. And um, 
And he had the audacity to, he would just go in in the morning. He moved to the, nearby the plant. He would go in in the morning, check in, and then he would leave and go back home and work in his shed in the back of his house and work on his car, <laughs> which I don't know. That's amazing to me. But anyway, uh, so he punched the clock and went back home. And so uh, what a shirker. But the um, uh, but he wanted to build cars for ordinary people to get back to the point. And he got so pissed off at his bank. One, at that time, everyone was – anyone who could own a car, there were rich cars, cars for the rich, wealthy. Uh, like uh, remember when Tesla started out with $150,000 Tesla? All automobiles were like that at that time. And uh, so he had an, uh, a visit with his bankers one night. He got pissed off at them, told them to go fuck themselves, walked out. And uh, the bankers then took that car company, which was called, I don't know, like the Henry A. Ford Company or something like that, motor company, and uh, changed the name. And they changed, the bankers changed the name of Henry's company to Cadillac. That's a creation story. What? So there you go. That's crazy. And Ford, you know, created the Ford Motor Company, which still exists today, right? Yeah. So this is like having a having a creation story gives context, right? And human beings, yes. I can't remember where I heard this, but human beings think in terms of narratives. So we think like beginning, yeah. middle, and end. In order to care about Sorry. someone's like middle and end, we have to know about the beginning. And I think yeah. um, one of the best ways to do this for for streamers is having a really good section in your profile that is your about me section which is really common but instead of thinking like or instead of putting like an faq there like name age types of games whatever else instead you you create a narrative like create a story that not only gives people that context but it also helps them connect emotionally with your journey so as opposed to being ashney 28 just chatting and a little bit of destiny too we are hi i really really <coughs> sucked at streaming and i got better over time but i had a, a sponsor who told me at one point that you're never going to make it on twitch there are going to be a lot of people who do but it's never going to be you and i was able to bounce back from that and because of that narrative that has resonated with so many people that they're to the point where they're like this is awesome. I see myself in this story too, because I'm a, I'm a streamer who has struggled for so long. This story gives me hope that maybe I can achieve my thing too, even though I've sucked for a long time. And I feel like having a, having a story that's really strong like that, that really resonates emotionally. I mean, it's, it's smart. It's that first piece of primal code. You put it in your about section and maybe you talk about it during your stream a little bit and help people connect emotionally to your journey that you're on because we're kind of all living the hero's journey. Yeah, and one of my friends, Erica Costello, makes that exact point. She was from Stanford, and she uh, has uh, worked together sometimes. And oops, he says she always uses the creation story and, and describes it as the hero's journey. So the hero's journey, for those who aren't familiar, basically uh, the hero separates themselves from uh, the their community, the current community. Sometimes they're an orphan, so that means that they're already kind of separated anyway. And uh, they embark on a journey. They take off. They leave their home. And uh, they go through the underworld. And uh, 
This, this is also known as a road trip, by the way. They go through the underworld, they cross through the desert, and they um, battle with uh, a villain, uh, which could be a dragon, it could be um, an outlaw, it could be um, the guy who owns the town. And they come out on the other side heroic, and, um, and then sometimes they go back home, or sometimes they just, uh, there's a wedding or something. And so the um, actually uh, crazy rich Asians just popped into my head. And that's the same thing. The girl leaves home. She goes through this, um, goes on a journey, right? She uh, uh, meets up with uh, her future mother-in-law, the dragon queen, and uh, slays her and wedding at the end, right? And Mm -hmm. so the... Um, that is the creation story. And no one's going to have the same creation story you are. Or, or generally, I mean, they can be, I mean, they're, if they're all a hero's journey, there are some similarities, right? Mm-hmm. But it's it's your own story. And so you can twist that however you want. You can turn it into a romantic comedy, like Crazy crazy Rich Asians, or you can turn it into a tragedy, uh, a drama, uh, whatever you want to do. Yeah. There's definitely space, I think, for every streamer to ask themselves the question of, what do I want my narrative to be like what what mission do i want to say that i'm on for the community and what do we all want to achieve together because once again it's about a community it's not about just you as the leader it's about all of you and you kind of like reshaping the world in your view yes but you being on that journey with a group of people too let's go to the let's go to the second why we want to be together why we're there yeah we go to work in the morning that's the creed yeah, exactly. And that's that's a great segue. That's what we'll talk about next. <laughs> so yeah. I think uh, whenever it comes to the creed, so this is the belief system. This is like, this is kind of well, what you stand for. The, the creed is really mm-hmm. what we believe in. And yes. so this, this is the uh, HP uh, Hewlett Packard had a great creed uh, for a while, which was just called an invent. And that really gave us people a sense of why they came to work in the morning. So it not only took, gave people on the outside, customers, users, um, uh, insight into why HP or how they were different from or differentiated from IBM or Apple or one of the other technology companies, but it gave them, people on the inside as well, uh, a reason for coming to work in the morning. We're here to invent things, not to X. Yeah. Your creed is the thing that... Uh, I like to use the quote, if people don't know what you stand for, they can't stand behind you. And once again, I can't remember like where I heard this, but people need to yeah. know what you're all about and what your space is is representing, right? So on Twitch, we have a lot of really common rules that we've, we've had for, for years, like five, ten years now. I don't know. Everyone says, don't talk about religion. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about if you're a streamer in another streamer's channel, don't talk about your own channel. Like there are a lot of of rules here that a lot of us are like, why is this a rule? We don't even know the why behind these rules anymore, aside from they're potentially divisive. Like if we bring up politics or if we bring up religion during conversations during our streams, I mean, that has the potential to get a little bit out of hand. But 
it might not always be wrong to talk about those things. There are potential, like there is potential for somebody to come in and and take the rules that have already existed in this community and kind of break them and be the person who's spearheading this idea that, hey, these rules that you've heard for so long are maybe not the best choice. They're not the, not the best rule for literally every single streamer on this platform. Um, do you feel like potentially divisive things like this i mean is it is it good is this something that people should be people should stand for something in this way like sometimes we should be taking these kind of divisive topics and trying to create brands out of them well i think that um religion first of all you you do have to stand for something i mean that's your point of differentiation right and even in I'm trying to think of, of personality brands. Like there's a difference between James Carden and uh, Jimmy Fallon, for example. Um, or pick your talk show, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Fallon <laughs> DeGeneres, right? I mean, but they do all stand for something. And it's, um, their format is the same. There's, they, they come out, they start, they, they tell jokes, which was invented by a guy named Will, Will Rogers way back in the 1930s, right? But the... Um, He's the first person who stood up uh, in front of people with the newspaper and told jokes about uh, what was going on in current events. Before that, it was just gags. And so that format has lasted now for the last hundred years, right? And so the, um, um, but there are distinct, I think, um, similarities, but also differences um, in how they do that. And that is sometimes can stand around a creed, so to speak. Sometimes it's just an execution, but the way that you do it and what you stand for and how you're going to go about it um, and what you're for and what you're against, you know, it's sort of define who you are, right? And that's the creed. Yeah, and you can't define, be afraid. Define, define, it's not only who you are, but why people watch you, right? Right. People watch Ellen for a different reason than they write, watch James um, or Jimmy. That's right. a huge question in the the Twitch community is, and this is a question a lot of people don't have an answer for. Why do people watch you? So it's not just because you play Fortnite, because there's a ton of people that play Fortnite, but it's that deeper reason. It's what do you personify? What belief do you personify for them that makes them so connected to you? They want to root you on. They want to be there to like cheer for you all the time. It's And this is not easy to figure out. No, it's no. <laughs> Um, this some people never figure this out really they make a product or they make a sir have a service and they just keep doing it and people keep buying it because it has some sort of functionality or benefits that no one else quite has and and they just buy it for that reason but the um, um, car companies have kind of figured out our personalities. So when you see when someone mm -hmm. driving one car, pick the car of your choice and you see someone pick your own car, right? Uh, and you see someone driving some other kind of car, you kind of know who that person is <laughs> because they, the car companies have kind of parsed that out for us. And so the, um, so it gets a little bit more difficult when you're talking about personalities, right? And how mm -hmm. do you carve, how do you make your own? And what re represents you, but each piece of, of this thing, your creation story and your creed and your icons, which we'll get it to in a second. Uh, but when we worked with Halo, 
the first person shooter game, which is a billion dollar uh, enterprise. Um, we talked, we did this exercise, uh, which we call, uh, we deconstruct the brand into seven pieces of primal code. And then we start to piece the brand back together again. Well, we spent three hours um, with the guys at Halo. There were uh, probably six or seven or eight people in the room. And they all had, you know, their Porsches or Ferraris or whatever. And they had this billion dollar, very successful, in other words, very successful enterprise um, going. And for some people, it was, uh, we want to make the best fucking games on the planet. For some people, they wanted to become like Disney. They had the game, they had the books, they had the the merch obviously mm-hmm. they there was also talk of a movie at that time and there's talk of maybe doing um a uh, not Fortnite wasn't around at that time but you know some sort of event and participation thing um and things like that and they had the music you know uh, that marty was doing and um but they sp- and some other people just uh, you know didn't really know. Some people were there just to survive, and so the um, had other reasons. And so for three hours we discussed it. You know, then here's something that's already worth a billion dollars, and they still don't know. And so it's a, something that. So what I'm saying is that it can be something that comes over time, and you, it just kind of falls out. Think different came up for Apple only because Apple was failing and Apple had about three months left on uh, Steve Jobs' credit card before it went under. And uh, so someone, um, Craig Tanamoto, came up with the line, Think Different, and it sort of made sense for everyone. And that's what saved them. Yeah, and this this can be represented, I think, too, by... Um by the Colin Kaepernick and Nike situation. Like yep. they just came out with this yeah. massive campaign. And this is, yep. that's actually a really good example we can use for non-believers, which we'll talk about later on. But the yeah. and I use this example for the creed too. Yeah. Nike yeah. Fuzzy. It has been fuzzy for like the last, I don't know, year, two years, something like that. Vis-a-vis uh, Under Armour and uh, um, Adidas has been doing a pretty good job of trying to separate, differentiate differentiate themselves vis-a-vis nike and um yeah and the copernic thing really stood out i mean that and that's a classic example ash of you have to stand for something yeah stand for something even if it means what was it upsetting some people yeah i can't remember like verbatim what what the the belief system was there but it was like stand for something or something else i don't know it, it was amazing though it was amazing and a lot of people became like very emotionally impacted by that message in good ways and in bad ways because of what they stood for like and we see this with a lot of brands right now too i think like i was looking around twitter and and axe body spray had this this really amazing belief that was just in their bio section we're seeing a lot of brands that are finally starting to understand this idea that we need to stand for something and i feel like a lot of of traditional marketing teams are starting to to get that too and starting it's starting to be represented worldwide which is huge like if you think about 
creators now having access to this information too, realizing that, hey, we need to stand for a thing that gives us so much power and so much potential to grow a community really quickly because we we personify something that is so emotionally powerful. Yes. And a lot of legacy brands that we have out there, um, they exist. Basically, they're just being managed because people you know, buy Tide all the time, every day. Yeah. <laughs> millions of people buy millions of dollars worth of Tide. And it's just a question of basically because your mother did, right? And uh, my mom did, your mom did, and so forth. And and so what else are you going to use, right? I'm not going to risk my clothing and everything by buying something else. And so the, or you didn't buy Tide. She didn't buy Tide, you know? Mm-hmm. But the, um, so you buy something else. But... Uh, when you have a legacy brand like that, that's worth, you know, zillions of dollars, the there are very few things you can do to really fuck it up. But the pr- situation today is, is that people are looking for m- more meaning in their lives. Our society has uh, is taken sort of a, a not a tilt, but a, a shift. And uh, people are looking for more meaning in their lives and they're looking for it in every uh, aspect and every moment to some, to some extent anyway. And so large corporations have to find something, uh, become more meaningful. And uh, some of the actions that they've had and uh, the way they've executed things, uh, which ends up in pol- by polluting or poisoning uh, other people around the world or ourselves, uh, is no longer being tolerated. So so they have to change and it's yeah. difficult. Yeah. So true. Let's get into icons. This is something there that... we talked politics a little bit. We just yeah. very closely <laughs> to politics, but we, we did. went away. So get <laughs> religion somehow. Okay, go ahead. So icons. Icons, icons. yes. Icons are the, the thing that I feel like a lot of people on Twitch consider to be the brand. So we usually hear smaller creators or even creators of all sizes say, like, I'm rebranding, I'm rebranding. And instead of fully rebranding and changing all seven of these things because you know they don't really know what these things are yet they change their graphics and they change their screen name and they're like well it's it's different now it's different but they're not doing anything different they're not serving a different audience they're not like they're not really changing it up that much they're just getting different graphics yeah i used to write super bowl spots and work in advertising and agencies would always try to change and evolve and uh the thing that they did, they didn't change any of the anything else generally. They but what they did is they changed the lobby, they changed the offices, they moved to new offices. So you go into these incredible offices, and isn't this cool? And yeah, we've changed, we rebranded ourselves. We're but nothing has changed on the inside, and so of course they're just making the same mistakes all over again. And the same thing uh, when people. Uh, start talking. They think of that of branding as changing their logo and changing the website. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the their equivalent of the office change, and uh, redecorating, moving the couch around and stuff. And so that, of course, is a part of changing the brand, rebranding. But you're really just moving the furniture around, and uh, it's corporate ID is what it is uh, uh, in real terms, and the. It's one thing to change your logo. It's a part of the refresh. But all of these other pieces, um, 
uh, also need to move into play because that's what really makes change. And um, if you create uh, a superficial change, it's really not genuine, is it? And, and don't change your actions. It's really not genuine or authentic or a lot of the other things that we need. Right. So uh, that we need in order to make this meaningful and actually feel something uh, more emotive. Uh, so that's the first thing. And, and that's also just visual, right? So it becomes very superficial. The um, other emotional uh, tangents, though, are, are iconic things. Are um, It's all the senses. And so the... Um, that's just the side thing, which is very important because um, online, the way we look and all that kind of stuff uh, matters. And the um, uh, you have great hair, right? I have a great beard, and I have this great poster behind me, uh, which I chose um, deliberately rather than the – I was showing Ash before – our thing we have a great shepherd fairy poster behind behind here i don't know if you can see it but the um but that was deliberate i decided not to be pumping shepherd fairy through here through the tubes today and push myself so the um that's a deliberate decision and the and so you have to be deliberate in that way uh the same way someone uh chooses what james corden is going to wear when he walks out from behind the curtain or Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. And, um, I don't know why I keep referring to those shows, but anyway, the, um, the, let's talk about the other senses because the sense of smell, for example, is hugely iconic yes. uh, and memorable. And there are famous stories. I mean, we all know, you know, the way that a church smells. We know the way that an office building smells. We know the way that a when you walk into a stylist to get your hair done, it, it smells a certain way. Your when sense you, of smell is also, it's the number one sense connected to memory. To memory, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I always bring up, there's a famous story of a woman who spent her spent a lot of money to have her mother's uh, perfume recreated because she wanted to smell her mom again. The perfume had uh, been discontinued and wasn't on the shelves anymore. So she just wanted to be able to smell her mother again. So recreated that perfume. So highly memorable, highly emotive. And um, I used to live in Europe. And the smell of a Mercedes diesel instantly, I mean, I don't smell that many of them anymore. But um, that smell just triggers, you know, living in Europe again. Smell of coffee, Mm -hmm. the smell of... um, you know, barbecue, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever hits your uh, trigger. Yeah, this is something that I mean, I love that you say icons can be anything that involves the senses, because whenever I read that in your book, it blew my freaking mind because it made me realize like, yeah, graphics are important and it's great to have a visual aesthetic that's ev- easily identifiable. But what if I were to make like our thing is the Yam Fam, so our, that's that's our brand. That's what our community is known as. What if I were to make like a yam scented candle and ma- put them in like a merch shop, make them available for people and remind anyone who came through the stream to light their yam scented candles while they were watching? That would be such a cool, like emotional, like yeah. way to connect with people that you don't see a lot of streamers doing. Yeah, absolutely. And the. um 
hopefully we'll get into all that later on, but the, mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. And it's, uh, important that people are able to experience you outside of just the straight video. And so for example, um, Well, people have events and all these other kinds of things. I was going to say that people have to, it's a, a, a stat. We, so we operate on metrics a, a lot, okay? One of the metrics is that people need to see you from, hear about you from five different places before they're even aware that you exist. That means they have to see you online, maybe. They, someone uh, refers, talks about you, refers them, to, hey, have you seen that? And... Um, they ask, what are you watching lately? And they refer you. And so word of mouth is important. Uh, but they might read about you. Someone else might tell them something, but five different places. So you have to find five different ways. And so the candle could be one of the ways. Ooh, that's so good. I, I, yes. don't, I don't remember hearing about right. that ever, but that's so good. Well, and that like... That, um, you can... You can try to look it up. It's from Edelman, Edelman PR. They're one of the largest PR firms in the world. And if you live in, that's for the U.S. The five is the U.S. If you live in Singapore, it's something like 17. So wow. they must be by information. But the, um, so we use that metric. The other metric that we use, um, and I'll just tell you them all right now, um, is 100. It takes uh, some behavior scientists figured out last year that it takes 100 uh, hours to make a friend. So you figure out how you're going to spend 100 hours with someone, right? Yeah. And so the, so when you have people have to hear from you in five different places before you even exist, before they can even say, hey, yeah, I think I've heard of them. And it'll take you 100 hours before you're uh, potentially a hundred hours before you're uh, relevant or meaningful to them. You could do it in 10 minutes, maybe, but oh, we'll see. Yeah. Right. And so the, uh, that, that's up to you, but the, um, yeah. So we take the seven pieces of code and there's seven and that, uh, five different places and then a hundred hours. So those are, there are other metrics too, but I don't want to over, be overwhelming. Th those are three that you can use. And I should have mentioned uh, from the beginning that you can take these seven pieces of code. I mean, we work with large, very large companies who are trying to who have very large businesses that, that are trying to move and have uh, very large budgets to help move them. But you can also use these seven pieces and have zero dollars and create effect. We uh, worked with a conservancy in Africa. Uh, we deconstructed their brand. We uh, put it back together again with a narrative. Um, here's where they're from. Here's what they're about. Here's how you identify them. Here's how they're different, et cetera, et cetera. Here's who's leading it and all of that. And um, we're, we were able to get some PR behind them. And long story short, we won a gold award for ecotourism, uh, for African ecotourism, uh, against all the other um, tourist, you know, cruise lines, uh, airlines, uh, tourism boards, et cetera, et cetera. This little camp in Kenya, con cons conservation, a conservatory thing uh, in Asia, in uh, Kenya, uh, beat out everyone else um, with zero dollars. And if you called the camp right now, they, they don't even have a marketing person. We joke that if you called the camp, you would might get be lucky to get the cook on the line. And so the 
you can do it with zero dollars. Oh, that is so, that's awesome. So you can definitely do it as a streamer. And I love that you say like the, the five places thing, because we're currently seeing a lot of people that are needing to have more of a presence online in order to grow their communities. So instead of just being live on Twitch, a lot of our advice lately has been centered around, okay, but don't only focus on being live on Twitch, take days off so you can focus on being on YouTube, get really good at at Twitter and and Instagram and create a podcast and get on other people's shows and- On Instagram, you mentioned LinkedIn profile earlier. Oh yeah, that's good too. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, that's is that five now? I think so, yeah. There you go. And then you buy a, a yam candle. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> so, that can be your alternate. And so you can do, yeah, that's it. That's the five right there. Mm-hmm. And so you can do it. And you can do it all sitting on your couch. Yeah. So ultimately, I think when it comes to icons, it's it's have that presence, but also ask yourself as a streamer the question, how can I get all of the senses involved in the experience that I give to people? So how can I help them with like, or are there opportunities? Because there might not be, but are there opportunities for uh, taste, smell, touch? Like, are there things that, that I can provide to deepen the relationship that I have with my community? So yeah. good. Let's... Um, craft beer you know yeah so yeah so all of those things are iconic and some of those you can't do online per se Mm -hmm. but you can do them you create other events other experiences uh, outside you know let's have a potluck somewhere let's all meet have a meet up somewhere else you know and those are all things that you can do and without too much effort in that's the opportunity. And the thing is, is that uh, I should also mention while I'm thinking of it is that it's not just enough to have all seven of these pieces. Uh, you have to, um, and then once you lay them out, now that you've identified them, you have to keep energizing them and um, mm. keep reminding people that they exist. And and then you have to switch some out some, once in a while. Uh, people change their logos, you know, especially for Uber or Google. Actually, Google Google changes its logo logo every day, right? And so the um, the opportunity for you is to keep. You have to keep. Is that you have to keep these energized? And so every day, um, if you use Apple, every day on Apple we hear something about. Um, Tim Case, or we hear about the Apple phone, uh, the old phone versus the new phone, or the this phone against a Google phone or a Samsung phone. And we hear about the stock price, and we hear about the headquarters, and we hear about something else. Uh, Angela Aarons just left. You know, so we hear about her. And so the uh, but because we're talking about product design, we're talking about architecture in terms of the new headquarters, the donut shaped or bagel shaped headquarters depending on your <laughs> orientation uh and aaron's angela aaron's or uh, tim case or johnny ives or you're hearing about it's which is about personalities uh the stock price which is about finance uh, because you're talking about all these different verticals all these different categories it doesn't feel like it's the energizer bunny coming along and slamming you against the head every day uh, and being irritating about it. And so you opt into all this because you have an iPhone, you opt or you, 
some other way involved with uh, Apple, you opt into it and it's just part of your feed. Same thing with um, Nike, same thing with Amazon. We hear something about them every day, uh, many things about them every day. And it's just a part of our feed and we opt into it because we like those things. And it may be things about Twitch. It might be things about uh, Fortnite. It might be other things, but you get this constant feed and you the differences is that we're opting into hearing about these things as opposed to it being interruptive and interrupting our day. Oh, interesting. So I think that the Amazon drone, by the way, is uh, put out there when Amazon's having a, you know, it's a slow day for Amazon. So the, <laughs> throw the drone story back in there, but um, that's not the case today, is it? Yeah. So. Okay. So that makes me think of, for example, my my creation story, right, is the story I touched on a little bit earlier where I had a person that was incredibly supportive and then they called me on Skype one day and said a lot of people will make it on Twitch, but it will never be you. And I like fell into that that super depressive state for a while. Yeah, there's definitely a time where that story starts to that narrative becomes old compared to what I'm currently working on and and what my my mission is yeah. at the current time, right? So when do you, how do you know when is the right time to kind of refresh all of these seven pieces? Um, well, there probably is no right time. Yeah. I mean, the right time when there's a disaster. <laughs> and, <laughs> or um, I think it's just something you feel. And I think the thing to keep in mind is that um, people like the Beatles, people like Dylan, people like Madonna, people like Lady Gaga, people like um, Bon Iver, people like um, they always switch it out. They always recreated themselves. Yeah. They always uh, created some new persona that they uh, put out there in front of the public. They changed their changed up their music. They changed up their uh, may have changed up their clothing. You know, in the, definitely in the cases of Madonna and Lady Gaga, right? And, uh, I mean, Madonna was a new persona every 18 to 24 months. Yeah, she, she's notorious yeah. for that. that. Right. <laughs> very successful at it, right? Yeah. And so um, those are extremes, but I think that they are good cases in point. Um, so James Carden, just to focus on him just again, but um, he could have just done his show but instead of just doing his show he created a bit called uh, carpool karaoke right mm -hmm. and carpool karaoke just went i mean it was a brilliant idea number one but just went bonkers right and uh, i've never or rarely ever watched him on television uh, but i've watched carpool karaoke over and over again sometimes it just it was addictive, right? And now that's kind of over, and so there's probably something else that's going on. Today, and I, and I haven't paid attention to him for months, by the way, but today he's on Twitter, and uh, with the Senate, um, I don't know if you heard what happened in the legislation today, but mm -hmm. but today he's on for that. And so the, the ability to keep switching it up and be, bringing something that's new and interesting and insightful and meaningful. So the whole effect of the seven pieces of code, which seems sort of not formulaic necessarily, but um, 
the whole point of them is to you're taking something that's essentially meaningless and making it meaningful, right? right? And so I have this marker here, which is pretty much meaningless. But if I tell you this is the marker that Albert Einstein used to write E equals MC squared, then wow. it suddenly has meaning to you, right? And people are, you've taken something that's worthless and now people will pay, you know, a million dollars for it, right? And so some nerd in Silicon Valley. And so the, the notion is um, how do we take things from being essentially meaningless and making it meaningful? And that's, that's how we... Um, People not only buy us, but they buy into us. That's how they opt in instead that's, of opting out. And that's such a hard, hard like concept to to get. And you might like hit something, especially on Twitch. You might hit something once and do it really, really well. For example, like the stream coach stuff right now. Where, I mean, we've we've grown because of it. Like, there's a lot of stuff. There's like a decent amount of buzz around it right now. But to be able to like replicate that success over and over and over again, I mean, I don't know how Madonna has done it. The woman is an absolute queen, and some of her like, some of her brands have been more popular than others. But she's been able to be successful multiple times for many, many decades because of her ability to to switch it up and to change and to always keep things fresh, so she stays relevant. And I feel like in the streaming community. That's one of the the most difficult things is to keep your relevancy is to like continue growing and continue improving and switching it up from time to time so much that you don't lose your flavor. You like never lose that freshness for people. Um, it's I I can't imagine being somebody like Ninja who is the number one streamer on the platform and the day where he starts to to lose his viewership and lose his relevancy and the mindset that he must have that's like holy crap what is happening and what do i do about this because exactly. it happens it happens and, all the time you have to um uh, realize that eventually that's going to happen if you uh, stay the same and the that you have to start serving up different things and so the um and you also have to remember that um i mean we've, we've all seen 30 rock right mm -hmm. and a lot of people do have, you know, a room full of people helping them out at one level or another. And so there that uh, doesn't exist for everyone. And if you don't have that, then you're working at a disadvantage. You're disadvantaged. And so the um, and that really gets us, to, uh, I think, unless there's something else you want to cover on icons, um, really gets us to ritual and how yeah. this thing is, becomes a daily um, event. Let's or hourly event, or however, it, however it happens for you, um, that's a ritual. And what we have to understand is that um, rituals are just kind of the way that we do things, and um, bringing in new events so people expect um, that you're going to be doing something new. That becomes ritualistic, and once you start that, you you kind of creating that feed, and you're going to bring some. It's not just going to be a talking head event. It's going to be participatory and it's activated and it's energized and uh, bring up the music, right? And so the, um, by this way, music is iconic too. Sound is iconic and, and hugely important probably. So um, MasterCard actually just uh, today or uh, 
recently, excuse me, within the last uh, week or so or month or so, uh, they came up with an, icon, an iconic sound now because uh, Siri and Alexi um, are taking over uh, our, home, our homes. <laughs> yeah. And so they have iconic sounds. And so uh, MasterCard um, has introduced things uh, to be part of the whole sound ethosphere that's out there. But um, rituals are the way that we do things. And another word for ritual, by the way, is process. And so if you're inside of a company, um, your procedures and the way you do things, whether you work on Slack or uh, some other uh, device uh, or software app, um, that makes a difference. Absolutely. It's, I mean, if you think about uh, a Twitch stream, for example, we all have different ways that we start our streams. We all have different ways that we end our streams. Uh, we have rituals with the way that we interact with hosts and raids. We have rituals with the ways that we interact with uh, subscriptions and follows. Basically, everything that happens consistently on your stream, you need to develop some kind of process for that not only is is interesting, but I think kind of furthers that that creed and is a good representation of that because you don't want a, a disconnect in if the if the creed if the belief is we love and support every streamer who comes into this channel but then somebody raids or hosts your channel so they bring your their viewers over to your stream and you don't really like you don't really thank them you don't get excited that's a, a disconnect in your brand and that makes people confused and to your point earlier it was don't don't confuse people like if you get preference if you make things easy to understand yes and the actually that's a great point is the way i mean you you can see it a lot of times when you um get a new app and the way that you are uh, entered into their app um is a lot of times through words as they guide you through the process and just saying thank you a lot of it's just manners you know like welcome thank you <laughs> thank you for being here thank you for leaving things like that and uh um so the language that people use is uh, kind of interesting. It can be friendly or it can just look like some coder did it. And um, not that coders are unfriendly, but they don't tend to be too very creative sometimes uh, in their code, maybe, but not the language. The um, And so uh, that's something worth paying attention to also. Yeah, that's so good. So I think everyone listening right now should definitely have – the question in their minds of what are my rituals and how do I use these rituals to represent the deeper meaning behind my stream and behind my channel and my community. So think about how you can make everything integrated to represent a single idea. I think the thing to talk about a little bit is brand voice. You know, there's a different oh, yeah. brand voice when you're using Amazon, okay, uh, versus Netflix, for example. And those, I mean, you think about those two and both very successful, obviously, but they look and feel and interact with you in totally different ways. They're both selling mountains of content, of uh, things, products for you to buy, right? But they, um, uh, obviously different kinds of products, but nevertheless, um, just imagine if Amazon looked like Netflix mm -hmm. or vice versa. Yeah. Well, a totally different thing. And so 
when you go on to, and I'm trying to think of some other uh, apps like Airbnb, or I'm just trying to think of the ones, of course, of all sorts of things on my phone. But when you go into Airbnb or Twitter or um, Uber and Expedia and WhatsApp and so forth, if you uh, think of the different kinds of language that's used to when you onboard into that, open it up, open the ad up, the app up, open up the app, or um, when you're exiting it or using it in the middle of it, in the way they talk to you, in the way they interact with you. And think about that for your own streaming. Yeah. There's so many different brand voices that are are so powerful in the streaming space, too. I feel like um, Discord, so the it's kind of like, it's kind of similar to Slack, I'm sure what you've used, but um, Discord's Twitter is such a, a good example. And I haven't seen it lately, but I know whenever I used to look at it, uh, about a year ago or so, their brand voice was so on point with what the streaming community was like kind of witty, really funny, really down to earth. They'd respond to people. They weren't this like far off entity that just existed and they made this really awesome software for streamers and then just they just had a Twitter, they were interacting with the community. And that's why I think a lot of us took to Discord so strongly was because of their ability to connect with us and to reach us on our level, not just to to create a thing and say like here here it is take this. But they were able to to befriend us almost. Um, but you see that all across every every freaking industry has that. Every industry has so many great products or organizations like services that have nailed these really unique brand voices we see like uh wendy's and and burger king arguing on twitter sometimes and they've got beef back and forth and it's hilarious and we need to think about how do we want to appear how do we want our our brand to be voiced as creators not as Wendy's, not as some like massive multi-million dollar business, but what do we want to be known for? Do we want to be sassy? Do we want to be kind, down to earth, funny? Like what kinds of people are going to be attracted to us based on the voice that we have? Absolutely. And so the, that's, you know, gets us into uh, the lexicon and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so the, um, it's exactly what we were just talking about. And by the way, I have articles up on Medium. I have articles up on Forbes that you can just uh, Google, like what is brand voice, mm -hmm. and you probably get land on that. The the other thing that uh, we should probably talk about is non-believers. And yes. as I mentioned earlier, the um, understanding, you know, we all, I mean, we're all human beings. We want all want everyone to like us. And naturally there's going to be someone who doesn't want to sit in our part of the cafeteria. They want to sit way over on the other side and, and, you know, we're never going to be able to invite them over to our table. And maybe we don't want to invite them over to our table. And a lot of times when we're talking with products and services, we ask um, the, when they're stuck, when they've gone through so many iterations and, um, um, pivoted so many times they've kind of lost their way so one way to get them out of that is to say well what do you not what do you never want to become well we don't want to you'll, you'll mention someone else and they'll go well no they're not us they're not like us well why not and then so you sort of sort of back them into who they are and what they really want to become and and then you can find a path right mm -hmm. and so the um 
remember Ashney a couple of weeks ago, you had an incident where, I mean, everyone's going to have haters, right? Mm-hmm. But you had some kind of incident. I don't, I really didn't understand what was happening, but all of a sudden you had a storm. You had a bit torrent against you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had a, I had a tweet that was not, it was not greatly worded. Um, and it came across in a way that it definitely was not meant that way. But a lot of people took it as me being like super rude to somebody on Twitter and they were not happy. There was a lot of, there was a lot of anger, uh, but there were also a lot of people who like jumped to my defense Yeah, and my community was there to, to be supportive during that time. And that's the thing. Everyone's going to have, uh, if not quite haters, at least people that just don't believe, want to believe in the same thing. And so when that happens, um, a lot of times um, your advocates um, will come to your defense. And I think that's what happened with you a little bit. And um, some people went, that sucked. Other people went, well, you know, shit happens. You know, we're all human. Let's move mm-hmm. on, right? And so the... Uh, the ability of your advocates to protect you and defend you. I mean, that happened with you, but it also happened with the Copernic thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where people yeah. left, left out in defense and strongly defended Nike, right? And supported them and advocated for them and uh, other situations out there all the time. And so the responsibility, your responsibility then is to, and this is why you want to keep in constant communication with um, using the seven pieces of code and have constant communication vis-a-vis, you know, Apple, Nike, Amazon that I was laying out earlier, is that you want to fee- be able to, for your advocates to defend you. And they, the only way that they can defend you is to have all the information. And so if they, if you've given them all the information about uh, here's what we're about, here's who we're not, we would never want to become, so then they have a clearly defined, you have a clearly defined brand and your advocates can act, uh, defend you and act in your own, on, on your behalf. And so the, so that's why it's um, important to keep those portals of communication open and vibrant and energized and up to date. Uh, otherwise, uh, the, the haters come out and mm-hmm. you're basically de- you're defenseless because your uh, your supporters don't know what to say, right? They're caught off guard as well, and they, uh, then there's a lot of stumbling, and that's when the damage happens. But if you've been um, um, vocal with your uh, advocates, with your fans, your community, and they they uh, there's a clear understanding there of what um, you're all about as opposed to a confused and messed up understanding, uh, people will defend you immediately. Yeah. I know what to say. And they'll say the right thing. People will always say something, uh, but sometimes it's uh, what they say may not be what you want Yeah, to hear. yes. This was one of the strangest things to experience because I'd, I'd read about it in your book so many times. And then to see it in action, I was like, whoa. <laughs> But then also, I think it was one of the hardest concepts to understand because 
I mean, human beings fear criticism. They say that our number one fear is public speaking and that it's worse than death for a lot of us. But it's not public speaking that we're afraid of. It's the criticism that might be going on in everybody's minds. It's the potential mess ups that we might have. And it was really hard for me to accept that there are going to be critics. There are going to be people that just dislike you and there's nothing that you can do about it because i mean we all want to be liked i don't think most people enjoy having people be critical over them but it is really important for building a brand that you have you have these haters even though it sucks it shows that to be cliche it shows that you're doing something right because the moves that you're making are big enough to be noticed yeah I mean, you can't do anything without attracting some kind of joy and also some sort of some form of criticism, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it may not just be outright haters. It just may be someone saying, yeah, no, I don't watch them. I used to watch them. I don't watch them anymore. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, that's going to happen, too. So but we know, you know, we read all the time about people who have never read their movie reviews that have been written about them. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's, um, or they stop listening to the critics or they don't listen to the critics and mm-hmm. they shouldn't really, because, um, there are, you know, I think three kinds of people in the world. There are, um, critics and there are, uh, well, there are journalists and jur- critics tend to be journalists, right? <laughs> and, and so there are journalists and then there are, people, uh, professors, academicians, if I'm saying that right. And then there are practitioners. And those are the three kinds of people that write books. And um, I'm a practitioner. Seth Godin is a journalist. Uh, Malcolm Jan- Gladwell is a journalist. Um, David Akers, who also um, has written uh, some great books about branding. He's a academician. That's the way. He's a professor. And so, but I... Uh, I'm a practitioner. I do this every day. And so my feelings about what, um, how it works and all that um, work for me. They may not work for someone else, but in my, my time, my situations, uh, this is how it works. And so the, and by the way, I should, this is a part of my creation story. I, uh, I came up with Primal Branding because um, I had a problem with a client. And some of you may already know this because I've said this before, but the um, it, it, the year was 2001 and I was working on Lego. I was one of several create, global creative directors on Lego and um, I was working on something that I felt was not um, genuine. They were not being genuine and uh, mm. I thought there was just something very messed up about it. And uh, we didn't have the word authenticity then. And... Um, or inauthenticity either but that's basically what it was they were being inauthentic and not authentic to themselves and the thing is is that i was working on uh, i'd been to billund which is the billund denmark which is where the headquarters for lego is lego is a great brand obviously and uh, i've been to the headquarters many times and at the headquarters they had what they called legoland and this was the um uh, Lego land that was built by the grandfather, the, guy, the same guy who invented Legos. And so the, um, um, so it was very organic, it was very genuine, it was very uh, real. And, uh, and then uh, they were building the Lego land that's by uh, San Diego and north of San Diego, Carlsbad. And 
uh, that's when I realized or I learned that you can actually, if you want to start an amusement park, you can just buy an off the shelf roller coaster, for example, slap a Lego like a skin on it and you are, am I still there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Some things happened on my screen. Okay. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, I was, I don't know. Anyway, the, um, and so, uh, yeah, there was just something very wrong about it. And so I started to wonder to myself, you know, what makes us uh, feel something towards some companies and their products and services uh, and not toward others. And I started thinking about trust and I started thinking about, you know, quality and I started thinking about, you know, other things. And I, and then I got to the fact that you, we really, when we walk into a Starbucks or we use, we buy an Apple computer, we really, we believe that that cup of coffee is going to taste like the last one that we had, or as be as good as the last one that we had. And we believe that when we open up the Apple box, that it's going to be, you know, as great an experience as it was the last time we opened up an Apple box. Right. And so the, um, then I started thinking, well, what are other things that we believe in? And, you know, you can imagine where that went. And <laughs> why do we believe in them? What are the characteristics? And, you know, I I started thinking about uh, the Nike swoosh and the Apple logo and the Starbucks mermaid. Starbucks was new at that time. And then, and I, having been in marketing and advertising, there was always this point in time in any meeting where they would say, uh, Starbucks doesn't advertise. Why should we go, you know, and they seem to be, they were rolling across the country in 2001. And, uh, and Google isn't advertising and Facebook didn't exist yet. And um, they're, they're very successful too. And so why should we be spending $30 million, $40 million to spend money on advertising? And there'd be a very uncomfortable silence in the room. And and um, someone would come pull something out of their ass and, you know, about feeling or it'd be about product quality or it'd be about the experience or something like that. But in fact, um, they really had a creation story. Both Google and, and Starbucks, they had a creation story. They had a creed. We knew what they believed in even if it was just that they were had better coffee or they had a better um, search engine and they had icons and they had all of these things. And so I basically deconstructed what great brands, like not just those brands, but Coca-Cola, Nike, Apple had created and uh, either through uh, gut instincts, um, prior history, that's the way that other people had done things, hiring smart people, smart advertising agencies or other marketing partners. Um, so through great gut, through instincts, through having enough money to tide them over if they did something where they fucked up, um, having um, some time then with great investors or whatever to work through mistakes. But basically, um I just de- re- deconstructed that, what had made them successful, and then pulled it together and discovered this pattern. And so um, I, that was in uh, May, June, July of um, 2001. And I had this idea, and I bounced it off some friends of mine. I had friends at American Express. I had friends at Apple. I had friends uh, elsewhere. And, you know, this 
totally nuts. I don't know if this seems to be valid. And it also seems that we've been doing everything wrong. <laughs> and so what do you think? And um, so they, they thought it had some credence. There was some credence to it. And so I set up a, um, I got a speech for um, October, uh, not in, in Manhattan. I was working in Manhattan at that time, New York City, and um, came up with it in my garden in Connecticut, working in my garden. And... Uh, nothing happened, so I came up with the June, July, right? Like I said, and then August, no one does anything in Manhattan. Everyone's in the Hamptons or um, or elsewhere, up in Cape Cod or something like that, or Maine. And so I knew nothing was going to happen in August, so I would schedule all my meetings for September. September first got came around. I got the gig uh, to speak uh, in October at some big convention in New York, et cetera, et cetera. And then September eleventh happened. Oh, and my God. No one really cared about a new branding concept after that. And so it was just a speech that I had because I would go out and speak different. I'd be invited to go speak different places. And usually it was about advertising or design or creative or something like that. But I, in some places I inserted it and I gave a speech on it uh, at a place. And um, uh, a guy came out down to the audience and he had, said you know do you like this guy's stuff yeah have you heard of this stuff and i said yeah i've heard of him and he said well i think i'm going to take his thing and your thing and i'm going to do my own thing and i went interesting mm. <laughs> and so the uh, i was telling a friend that and he said pat you have to write a book and so it took me a while but i got the book deal and then on from there so the book came out in 2006 so the um uh, so um how did we get there <laughs> So anyway, know who your non-believers are, so you have to tell, get the story. And then the final thing is the leader. And you're basically in this situation, I mean, you're the leader. And um, But usually it's uh, someone like Oprah or Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or someone who's at Elon Musk, someone who's at the uh, magazine front cover or um, top-line CNN <laughs> news report thing, since we don't have magazines anymore. But the... Um, they are the leader in the, so then you bundle all those things together. You have that narrative and you decide then, okay, I'm, I want to talk about my creation story. Where does that go now? And so do, does it go on the back of the package? Does it go on LinkedIn? Does it go on Facebook? Uh, do we create a movie about it? Right. Because the social network, remember that movie? That was all about Facebook oh, yeah. story. You know that that movie. I'd see the Defiant ones was all about the is all about the backstory behind creating Beats for Apple, um, which is you know Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine, right? And so the uh, and then there's that movie about McDonald's called The Founder with Michael Keaton. If you've seen that, if you've been flying airplanes anywhere, and so these, those are all creation stories. And there are others out there also, obviously. The, the one about the Post, the one about with Meryl Streep and about Washington Post. And so all of these things are, um, are available to you, to us. Um, you may not be able to finance the one about the Post like Jeff Bezos is able to because he own, now owns the Post. But the, um, there are other things at your uh, command. And so we figure out how we pull all of this together. And now days as of uh, last month or so, 
Um, there, there's now artificial intelligence, and we use IBM Watson to help us uh, program content uh, through all the streams. Okay. So each piece of code now can be programmed and distributed to anyone holding a mobile device. And uh, so that's how we do the feed. The examples I gave earlier about Apple and um, Nike and uh, Amazon are, um, I think they do that by hand. So manually, that is. Do you feel like... Content scheduling. Yeah. Do you feel like with streaming and with content creation, since it's such a a person focused position and there's generally like one creator that's the the sole focus of the the community or the content at least they're the one face that's on the video do you feel like that person has to be the leader or can there be like because you know some some businesses some brands the ceo might be the ceo but they're not necessarily like the leader of the the vision of the brand of the entire thing that's happening do you feel yeah, like you can have a proxy. You can have yeah. anybody, uh, the Michelin Man, Ronald McDonald. Um, in a lot of companies these days, um, the C, the leader, the CEO, uh, tends to, in some cases, can come out of um, either finance, so they're a CFO, or out of um, the technology sector, uh, which CTO, and um, they don't. Whereas they used to come out of marketing sales where the CEO is generally more personable and uh, more of a salesperson, right? So they're mm-hmm. used to be out in front of people. They're very um, um, friendly and, and so forth. And in some cases, uh, people are not that way. And so – or they just don't want to be out in front. I mean, there are very yeah. few Winfrey's and Elon Musk's and Steve Jobs of the world, right, who – know how to do that want to do that most of all want to do that and so um um, you can elect a proxy but i think that if you want to be in this business you have to figure out a way of uh, handling that yeah you'll have to overcome that yeah i agree something else I agree. I think that's it's really important. There are a lot of streamers who they're once again afraid of that criticism or more shy people who start streaming and and they really 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 love it and they really want to get better at it and they want to, you know, get partnered with Twitch and see success and grow a community, but they just they're such internal people that it's hard for them to communicate and have those bright personalities that it really takes to see uh, a decent amount of success as a streamer. Yeah. Well, most, a lot of people like comedians, especially are fucked up in individuals and they're, <laughs> yeah. they're shy or uh, dysfunctional or at some point on the spectrum. I mean, you just have to get over that, get over yourself and um, do what you want to decide if you want to do it, if that's what you want to do. And if that's what you want to do, then you have to do it and yeah. get over it and perform. Right. Yeah, exactly. In every sense of the word. And so, and the pieces of code, um, you can put all those in place, but it's uh, all about execution too. And so how you mm-hmm. execute and how well you do at that is incredibly important. Right. It's really the thing because that's all everyone see, anyone sees, really. And so the pieces of code are really the skeleton or the bones of your brand. And then the rest of it is all in execution and how you line up the pieces so that um, they have to be one continuous stream, excuse the pun, but the, the cre- creation story has to lead into the creed 
This is why we believe things because we came out of this pay, place. Here's why we wear the clothes that we wear because um, that follows also. And this is why our site is the way it is because that also follows. And there's why we're doing all of these things because that also follows. Mm-hmm. And so that it's all co- cohesive and um, it it's, tends to be it's essentially holistic because you can engineer it and re- rather than being haphazard. And there all are, are all kinds of forms and conventions, you know, and structure, other structures, architectures that um, you can follow. Um, There are ways to tell a story, right? I mean, whether it's a comedy, a dramedy, a tragedy, (laughs) and all these other things, uh, or or adventure pick, um, there are all these other conventions you can layer on it to make it, make sure that it's interesting and that to make sure that uh, does make sense because those things uh, need to be in there too. This is such a, like an information heavy episode. Like it's so- I have a headache. I, yeah, I know. It's so actionable though. There's so much well, here that I guarantee you people haven't thought about before. And it's it's probably caused so many light bulbs to go off because I it did that for no, me. So I know it's doing it for other people. You know, I mean, so basically all we're saying here is you can be your own dream. You don't have to um, – um, what happens with many people is, you know, when I started out, I started saying that people tell you, you know, you're a boy or a girl, you're a – you know, you're, here's what you're good at, here's what you're not good at. And most of us go off and get it, find a job somewhere, right, and work for someone else. Well, if you have um, – you could have a great job, you know, CEO, the head of GE, for example, General Electric. But as I said earlier, you know, that you're just following Thomas Edison's dream from 100 years ago. You can be working at Apple. You can be Tim Cook and you're making a lot of money and we need someone to uh, take over Apple. But basically you're living Steve Jobs' dream, you know, so you can be your you have an opportunity if you want to be your become your own dream. And I think the thing is, is that um, if you don't try, you've already failed. So you have to try just thinking about that gets me so emotional. Whew. That's been like a a heavy, heavy moment for a second. Like I was really. Well, yeah, it is a heavy thing. So I, yeah. A lot heavier if you're 50 years old and you had, had a dream that you always wanted to do and you didn't do it. So that's a great I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that's the classic mid, mid, uh, middle age crisis, right? Midlife crisis. Yeah, that's so true. Let's take a. Let's take a couple of questions because I know you you have a lot to do. You're a busy guy, so we don't want to like keep you too long. But I know that some people have probably had some some ideas in their brain that they would like to get out. So if you all have any questions, do exclamation point Q and then a space and then your question. We'll get through a couple of those and then let Pat head out. Uh, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, these episodes are filmed live at twitch.tv slash Ashley Christ. We're live every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Central Time. And we usually have an interview a couple times a week. So come through. You can ask your own questions. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe if you haven't subscribed to the show yet. Well, can is... I mention uh, one thing? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd love it. Everyone, if you've liked this or whatever, uh, we are on my own self promo here. Uh, Primal Branding Instagram, Primal Branding Facebook. Uh, we also have Primal Live, what we call Primal Live events. Uh, we've had one in uh, New York, Los Angeles, Venice uh, a couple months ago now already. Um, so check those out 
Um, also, on, as I mentioned earlier in Medium, you can uh, if you use that medium.com. There are articles on there if you have questions later on. Um, otherwise, ask Ashney. I did not know that you had live events. Yes. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah, we had one at um, Neue House in Manhattan in uh, October, I think it was, in um, um, in New York. And then we had one uh, last year in November at, or I might be reversing those actually, but anyway, who cares, <laughs> in <Venice laughs> California. And we're going to have another one coming up pretty soon, I hope. So the, um, maybe overseas, I don't know. But the, um, yeah, they're a lot of fun. Primals come together and we learn new things. Um, we have people from Apple, YouTube, um, Tesla, um, and so forth. You need someone so, from Twitch. there. <laughs> At, attending and speaking it's not really a talking head event uh, there are people uh who um talk about you know how they use primal branding mm -hmm. and so forth but um more so it's for people to uh we deconstruct your brand your own brand that is so a cool times. oh so it's, it's like a, a like a workshop thing. event almost well, it's definitely we we don't call it a workshop. We call it an activation. But if you go into primal primal dot live, let's see primal live, primal live uh, on Facebook, mm -hmm. primal live activations. I think it is on Facebook. Uh, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of photos there and other stuff. That is so cool. I'll definitely have to check that out. And Instagram, you know, ashes. We were talking before we got on the. Um, uh, we've just started up the Instagram thing a little bit, but the um, uh, we're building some of the uh, activations into that too, so you can people can see photos and so forth. Mm -hmm. So one of our questions is uh, from Nina, who asked, "My brand is about doing things not the casual way. On Twitch, it works like a comedy show with me doing things the first time, but I don't know how to make content around this message on Twitter or a podcast because it should always be entertaining." So I think the idea here is that uh, the message is they're trying to do things. They're they're trying things, right? They're trying things, yeah. and it's supposed to be comedic. So on Twitch, it's it's comedic because there's screw ups. You probably you mess up and it's funny and it turns into a big joke, but you don't know how to trans uh, transition that into like Twitter or a podcast. So, mm -hmm. well, it might not have to be the same thing. First of all, well, first of all, comedy is hard. Yeah, <laughs> and the, um, you've picked probably one of the, the hardest art forms that there is. But the um, you don't necessarily, I think you don't necessarily have to be funny. You could just be uh, meaningful and smart uh, with um, like Twitter and so forth. But what I would do is I would go, uh, that's an example where I would go to like the, um, the real pros, uh, Jimmy Fallon and Saturday Night Live and, and compare and contrast with their people like that are doing mm. and i oh I, who's um miranda 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 what's her name um she's on youtube she's a miranda, oh, miranda sings, sings. Right? Yeah. yeah and look on her stuff and because she's more contemporary i think than either of the other guys but the um see what the way they do it and then it's not to the plan there is not to imitate them but to see what they're doing and then figure out your own way of doing it the same, only different. 
Yeah. Because you always have to differentiate yourself. So don't just copy what they do, but figure out um, the concept behind what they did and then uh, figure out a new way of doing it. That's so great. Oya asked, when developing a brand with friends, each who want to do their own stream, is it more important to develop individual brands first, the group brand first, or both at the same time? Oh, that's a crazy good question. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. I, I think that it's probably more relevant to do the group first and then break out the group. In other words, Saturday Night Live is a great example. Yeah, you, you had to form Saturday Night Live and then, oh, who's in Saturday Night Live? Well, Jim Belushi's in it, Dan Ackward's in it, <laughs> Gil Narader, et cetera, et cetera, right? Or it's the Beatles as the group and then who are the four Beatles and then they break those out. And then um, there's a brand called, I mean, a, a brand, but a, a band called Doomtree, which you may or may not have heard of, but they're a rap group and... Um, one of their people, Dessa, just did a book on her own, and um, she is, uh, you can hear her singing in uh, the Alexander Hamilton um, tape, mixtape. And so um, so she broke out, but she, there are Paper Tiger and some other people in that same group that are also have private projects. So I think you have to, in that case, um, it's probably stronger to do the group first because then you have, if everyone's doing their job, if everyone in the group is doing their job um, and promoting the group, then it's much easier to break things out individually. Yeah. I think, you know, in uh, sync. first it was in sync as the group and then who else, oh, who's in in sync and then you get the individual players, right? Right. So. Yeah. And then Justin Timberlake goes and, freaking kills yeah, it. And that, that formula seems to work better mm -hmm. than um, so-and-so who then becomes the member of a group and um, you might get lost that way. Yeah, it can kind of muddy your brand if you associate yourself, a, a personal brand, too strongly with like an esports organization or some other org that you really want to support and be part of. But if you become too integrated into that, it can, can kind of... Yeah. And even the sports players, they're members of a team first, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes there's a, a Michael Jordan or something like that, or even a Michael Jackson, right? But the um, um, but they were members of a team first, so. So true. Let's take this one as our last question. And it was, how do you properly evaluate your brand and figure out the best moves to make? I have an idea in my head, but it's difficult to execute, not because of lack of creativity, but because I don't know what to call it or how to explain it. Um, well, first of all, you have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, the second thing, though, is that there are ways. I mean, there are a lot of ways to uh, put metrics against yourself. Um, one is um, aware, just aware. Well, one, the first one is the number of clicks, right? And uh, the number of shares and, and those metrics. But the other one is um, um, uh, word of mouth. You know, key promoter score, you know, is the more um, established way. And that what that means is how many people um, recommend you to others, basically, mm -hmm. and promote you. So uh, that's that costs money and stuff, obviously. But the um, that's how you do it. Yeah. Or in a formal universe. Informally, it's the clicks. Yeah, I definitely and, look and at like Google analytics. And all that kind of stuff, so. 
Yeah, and if you're in the very, very beginning, like the ideation phase, I think running it past as many people as you can and kind of working through that that beginning those beginning stages of figuring out exactly what you're doing by talking to all of the the people that might be interested like i know pat pat flynn talks about this a lot which is uh beta test create like a beta test group and if you've got this idea for a, a nice brand that you think will resonate with a specific group of people make a tweet and ask 10 people to get into a beta test group and you can all do the ideation together and come up with the best solutions and the best you know brand that resonates with that group exactly yep um yeah bring in users and potential users what mm-hmm. we break down the world into real quick is um because i know we're trying to get off uh <laughs> is zealots and potential zealots so you find out what uh makes you sticky with the zealots that would be that would be the people who watch you all the time um and then what is holding back potential zealots and so those are the people that, you know, maybe have seen you a couple times, but there's some reason that they don't become, that they don't watch you all the time. It may be yeah. something functional, like they don't have a computer <laughs> <laughs> or they, or maybe something, you know, that uh, you can fix. So that's such a well, good point. I love that. Was there anything else before we head off that you wanted to, to talk about? Like it, where can where else can people find you online if you'd like to plug your Twitter or something? Um, just Google Patrick Hanlon, Google Primal Branding, and uh, there's information all over the place. There's other there are other videos. There's a TED video, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, so, oh my God, that episode was so good! <laughs> it's so good. I've listened to this recording a couple of times myself just because it's. I love it. There's so much information to learn from this. I hope that this got your gears turning and you are able to have a little bit more focus and clarity about what you want to do with your channel. So go and follow Patrick Hanlon. You can follow him on Twitter at twitter.com slash Hanlon Patrick. You can also go and check out Primal Branding on Amazon. Highly, highly recommend that you snag the book if you haven't already. And check us out or check me out. Ashney Christ everywhere. Uh, Stream Coach is everywhere as well. And tweet at me what you thought of the episode. Subscribe if you haven't already. Do all of the things if this is a show that you enjoy. And if not, I mean, you're probably not listening this far anyway. So... (laughs) All right. I'll I'll see you all next time. I love you so much. Bye.